0: Welcome to Love the Valley Sunday. This is our, our first uh, first ever Sunday doing this. And um, you'll remember for those of you that have been with us for some time, it was almost two years ago now that uh, that we got together as elders and we began to pray about what is God's vision for this church. And after a lot of prayer and discernment and time, we came to this, uh, this, this vision that we are called to be a church to call home. So let me just ask you, when, when you think of that picture, what comes to your mind? when I think about that, I think about a, a good home is a place where love begins, right? Where love is kindled and fostered and protected. Um, it's a place where if you're doing it right, you're cared for abundantly. Where one another have each other's backs. But more than that, I would, I would say that a mark of a good home is probably one that also loves their neighbors well. Um, in fact, we've said many times over, but as we've thought about and expanded this idea, we've said, well, we, we want within the walls of this church, we want relationships to flourish, right? That's an important part of who we are. We've also said we want generations to connect within the walls of this church. That's, that's how we see God's love moving in our midst. But finally, we see then that love being taken out and our neighbors experiencing the love of Christ for God's glory in our midst. Um, so if you fast forward to 2021, All of us, we don't have to look across the street even of our church or of our own homes probably to see that we now have neighbors that are in dire need. Never before in Bozeman has homelessness and lostness and financial trials and struggles been so apparent. The chasm uh, that we live in now between the haves and the have-nots, not only in our town, but in our nation, is increasing exponentially by the day. And and so as we've been praying about this, I've become more and more convinced that Spring Hill's job is to step in that gap, right? And bring the love of of Christ Uh, because Jesus made it super simple. Um, He said, follow me. He said something like this. Say this with me. He said, love God and love people. It's that simple. That's what home should look like. It starts within these walls, and then it moves out of this valley, and it's so basic. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can take those two commands, and every command God has ever given us will fall underneath those two. So so months ago, we began talking about what it would look like to set a spark that is this morning, and just hope that it brings fuel to a fire to that end. And thanks to Lauren, and hopefully you've already met Kinsey. If not, you'll meet her at the end and love income. We've lined up all sorts of projects today. Somebody said, well, how many places are we going? I said, I don't even know. All sorts of places. of we're, we're doing wood cutting, home repair, yard maintenance, window cleaning, uh, grocery collection. We've set up Spring Hill Moving Company today. Did you know that? Imagine if you are barely making a rent and your landlord comes to you, and we, these stories happen. Your landlord comes to you and says, hey, rent's going up by 500 bucks a month. Sorry, inflation. And you don't even have the money to move. There's a, a list, a mile long, I'm told at Love Inc., of people who are waiting just to have help and assistance moving with trucks. And so I already saw Dave Cumley uh, out this morning hitching up the, the trailer that we have in the back and uh, we're doing it big. So um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. And the idea is that we're not going to set aside just today and then pat ourselves on the back for loving our neighbor, but that this would turn now into a lifestyle for us as a church. Um, so we're gonna open up to Matthew's gospel. I did a lot of talking there. Uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 25. And we're going to read verses 31 all the way to 46. 25 verse 31 all the way to 46. But before we do that, let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this this church to call home, Lord, this place where your love is abundant and felt, where we care for one another, have compassion for each other, look out for each other. Lord, we also know that you've called us to take that same love into a, a world that doesn't know you, that doesn't know what that compassion looks like or or that, that unconditional care feels like. So Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we just pray, would you take all the distractions away that are in our heads and we know we have them. Help us to set them aside. And God, just help us to focus on you, what your word would have for us today. Lord, I know that what I'm about to read is a challenging word. And so I just pray, God, that you would both convict us, but also bring us comfort and encouragement and lead us out from this place today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So Matthew 25, verse 31 to, to 46. Let's, let's listen to God's word. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, and to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, but you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, but you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So let me just invite you to close your eyes for a minute. I know that's a dangerous way to start a sermon. But just close your eyes for a minute and really imagine with me, uh, what is Jesus getting at in this lesson? Try to picture it. This is the last public teaching of Christ, and of all the things he could go after in Matthew's gospel, he lists six specific things. Try to imagine what they are. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, so you welcomed me. I had no clothes. You clothed me. I was sick, so you visited me. I was in prison. You sat nearby. Okay, you can open your eyes now. What does it look like? You know, Jesus says, whatever you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And scholars debate all the time about who these brothers are. Most would actually agree today that the brothers who Jesus refers to is the church. It begins with this body. It begins with how we treat one another in the body of Christ, which means this, the call to serve begins at home. The way that we care for each other starts right in this place. And yet we all know the way of Jesus, the way that he calls us to doesn't just remain here. You know, when you really stop and you picture those six things in your mind, you, you begin to get a heart, a picture of the heart for Christ. That the serving of the least of these, it's, it's a movement. And I want us to see a few quick things right off the bat about this, these six things. And for starters, notice this with me. These six tasks are really simple, aren't they? Like, if I were to ask you, what does Jesus want with a disciple? One of the first things that sticks out to me in this lesson is how basic his requests are. He's not asking us to move mountains. It struck me. This is is not monumental at all. A disciple feeds. A disciple shelters. A disciple clothes. A disciple shows up. Sometimes I feel like we want to make this followership of, of Jesus so complicated, but, but for Christ, at least in the context of this lesson, it's not. He says, to serve me looks like cooking a meal. It, it looks like pouring a glass of water, donating your clothes, opening your home, being generous with what you have, being present with those in need. It's the final public teaching of Christ. And I kid you not, just, just so that, just so that God made sure as I was working on this sermon that the preacher was gonna practice what he was preaching. I got a card in the mail this morning, right in the office, opened it up. It was from a random stranger. It said, I'm coming to Bozeman to check things out around Thanksgiving. Would you be able to find me a home that I could stay in and eat a meal with your family? Kid you not. And I thought, wow, would I? See, this scripture, it's it's a bit odd because... Jesus wants us to understand that in this life, there's two kinds of people. He offers no gray area. You don't get to pick a third choice. There's not three or four. Jesus says there's just two categories. In the end, there will be sheep and goats. Those on the right side of Jesus, he said, those are my sheep. And those on the left, those are my goats. Those on the right one, that they did everything that was asked of them. Those on the left, well, they didn't. And here's the tough part. At least the tough part for me, this is not a parable. This is not a metaphorical story or an an analogy. This is by Jesus' own words, our future reality. Jesus said, when the son of man comes in glory and the king on his throne, there will be a final judgment of eternity. And some of us will be sheep and some of us will be goats. And what we did or didn't do will prove who we are. In the first century Palestine, this language fit perfect. It might seem foreign to us, but it wouldn't have to them. See, it was an easy picture for an agrarian society because every day at sunup, the animals would leave their pens and they would roam out together in the fields with their shepherds. But in the evening, it was commonly thought that the air would be too cold outside for the, the goats and the short hair, but too warm, enclosed altogether for the sheep. And so one by one, as the sun would set, the shepherd would begin to separate their flock. Sheep gathered to one side, goats to the other. And of course, this was common sense, right? Any basic shepherd knew the difference between their sheep and their goats. Jesus said, much like that picture, a day is coming where I will separate one from the other. Sheep on the right, goats on the left, and much like a shepherd uses their own basic instinct, he said, I too will use one very simple rule. You can boil it down to how we love those six categories. The hungry, the thirsty, the homeless, the poor, the sick, the in prison. And the question, at least in the context of our lesson this morning, is really straightforward. Did we serve them or did we not? For those who are on Jesus' right, he says the invitation will be clear. It is just going to come in one word, come. That's the one we all long for, isn't it? It was the first word that Jesus said to the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee before they even knew him, come. For those on the left, Jesus says the word is just as spark. He said, depart. Go away from me. I mean, you talk about an exclusive statement in an inclusive world. What do we do with this passage? We wanna believe that everyone gets the prize, right? That all the kids get the trophy. Anyone familiar with the name Bob Pierce? I didn't figure you would. But in 1947, Bob felt the Lord leading him to go to China on this this missions trip. And in his mid-30s, he went from house to house, sharing his faith. And by the time he was done, he sparked this revival uh, in China. At one point along the way, Bob was asked to share the gospel with a a local charter school for girls. And so through translators, he he gave this rousing sermon in this local gymnasium. Teens were given their lives to the Lord, one after the other. And one of these teens was named Jade. Jade was so on fire for Jesus that that night she told her father that she had come to Christ, which presented a major problem. Her father wanted nothing to do with it. So instead of sharing in her excitement, he, he beat her, literally, and threw her out of the house. The next day, the school principal told Bob about what had happened, of how this child was now homeless, literally because of his preaching and her followership of his sermon. And Pierce was so moved by that story, without even giving it a second thought, he gave this child everything in his wallet. What you would think would be generous except for everything in his wallet was a whopping five bucks. So he made her this promise. He said, I promise you for the rest of your adolescent life, every month, I'm going to send you money and you will never be hungry or homeless again. The concept of that kind of adoption had never really been thought of worldwide like that before. And with the promise to that child, Bob began what today is known as world Vision. Today, World Vision is now the largest privately funded relief organization in the world. See, one man clearly showed his lack of faith, right? Away from me. He showed he didn't want anything to do with Jesus, so he kicked his daughter out of the house. The other proved his faith, though, by welcoming her back into the fold. See, this part is super important. We can't miss this part because I know so far maybe we're a little nervous. Listen to this. This is not a lesson about our good works earning us salvation. That's not it. If you've listened to that or if you've heard that, that's a lie, take it out of your head, delete it. That's not a biblical thought. Our works could never earn us salvation. See, that's not the motivation. Even in this lesson, none of the sheep were serving the poor with, with that kind of intention to make it into the pearly gates. The sheep and the goats are both shocked. They had no idea that in serving others, they were serving Christ. Or in not serving others, they were not serving Christ. But for the sheep, their faith can't help but lead them to good works. Let me say that again. For the sheep, their faith can't help but lead them to good works. And the point Jesus makes is this. If you want evidence of your true belief, just give it a litmus test and look at your actions. Look at this in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. It says, for great grace, you have been saved through faith. There it is. That's the truth. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of your work so that no one may boast, which automatically makes us ask, well, then what do we do with our works, Lord? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. See, those on the right of Christ had already inherited the kingdom. Come you who are blessed by my father, Jesus says. And if you think about it, an inheritance, think about an inheritance for a minute. That isn't something that you earn. It has nothing to do with our works or what we do or don't do. It's something we've been given. But it reminds me of the, the famous saying my grandfather used to say, which is to, to whom much is given, much is what? Require See, this story should jar us because on the one hand, we, we know we can't earn our salvation. And yet on the other hand, it's very clear that if you believe from your faith will come works. James 2.7, you've heard it before. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So to the ones on the right, Jesus says, come from the foundations of the world. The kingdom has been prepared for you. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done for me. And to the ones on the left, Jesus says, go. And I shudder to read the rest. He said, go into the eternal fire that was never prepared for you. It was never for you. For you did not do it for them. We live in this culture that doesn't wanna talk about such places, right? That doesn't wanna talk about that that reality of living a faithless life. And frankly, if I'm being honest, it makes me uncomfortable too. I'd rather not mention it myself these will go away Jesus last words to the public these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life so here's the question are you a sheep have you placed your faith in Christ or are you a goat have you denied him see when you look at your life we we begin to think about what what does the evidence point me to what is the verdict there's an ongoing pattern in God's word that we can't deny. Those who have faith produce fruit for the kingdom, and those who don't clearly won't. A disciple feeds, a disciple shelters, a disciple cares, a disciple shows up. Look at this in Mark 11:12. Jesus is walking by this fig tree, right? And there's all these leaves on it, but it's fruitless. And Jesus is hungry. I'd say hangry, but I don't, that carries a tone of connotation of sin. But just go with me. He's hungry, And he stops to take issue with this plant. He begins chewing this plant out, letting him have it. Look at this. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in the leaf, he went out to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it wasn't the season. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Why would Jesus, Savior of the world, Lord of all creation, take time to chew out a fig tree? It seems a little strange, doesn't it? Why would he be so upset at the, the lack of figs on this bush? See, I think the most important part of this, this story is the last sentence, and the disciples heard him say it. See, the truth is this. A fruitless tree is worth what? Nothing. I think the most important part of that story, right, is is not by good works unto grace, but by grace unto good works we go. Back in the third century, there's a story about a a Christian man named Lawrence. Lawrence was a a leader and a deacon in the Roman church. And the the story goes that as a deacon, Lawrence was placed in charge of the the church's treasury. He was responsible for managing all the finances of the day-to-day of the church. Well, one day the local prefect came to Lawrence and he said, you know what? we need to have the greatest building in town. Hands down, we've got to have it. So go and gather up all the wealth of the church and see if we can't build this new steeple that'll be the envy of everyone. He said, just take all the gold and the silver, the coins you can find, and we're going to pour it into this thing. Lawrence wrote this in return. He said, I do not deny that our church is rich and that no one in the world is richer, not even the emperor. So I will bring forth all the precious things that belong to Christ. If only you'll give me a little time to gather everything together. The prefect began drawing up his plans and excited just to see what Lawrence was gonna come up with. And for three days, Lawrence went all over town collecting the church's greatest treasures. He was quite successful in his roundup too. But what he came back with was nothing like the prefect had imagined. See, Lawrence went after the, the treasures of the kingdom, right? That many went for the poor and then the disabled and the blind, the, the homeless, the sick. And the story goes that he walked back this entire crew of people, one with no eyes, a disabled woman with a broken knee, one who could only crawl to the steps of the church, others who were too sick to even speak. And as they entered the church doors, he wrote down every name and lined them up. And as the prefect looked down from his quarters, he shouted, I brought the treasures from the church of Christ. From the very beginning... Jesus has been about that treasure. Just after he was tempted in the wilderness in Luke's gospel, he walks into town, steps into a synagogue for the first time, opens up Isaiah's scroll, and listen to this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled the scroll back up told the assembly, today this reading has been fulfilled in your hearing, and sat down. What does a disciple do? I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, so you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, you brought me clothes. I was sick, and you sat with me. I went to prison, and you were there. One commentator, he wrote it like this. He said, it's, it's not said that he shall put the rich on his right hand and the poor on his left or the learned and noble on his right hand and the unlearned and despised on his left, but the godly on his right and the wicked on his left. Now, as I said, Jesus' brothers were, were probably those who were sent out in missionaries into a world that Jesus knew would reject him. He knew the world would fail to feed the hungry. They would fail to withhold water. They would fail and withhold water from the thirsty. They would refuse care for the the homeless. They were never there for the sick or the captive. Jesus said, whatever you withheld from the least of these brothers of mine, you you withheld it from me. But whatever you, you love on the least of these, you in return did it for me. See, it begins within these walls, the, the way that we love on each other, the way that we pour out the love of Christ on each other. But then that, that love becomes a movement that has to go beyond this place. So as we go out this week, it's just this simple charge, right? That whatever your day looks like today, maybe you're joining with Love the Valley. If you, if you weren't planning on it, we, we do have more openings. You can jump in last minute. Maybe you've got something else you can't. But you go out in the world and, and you sh- we should know that the people we meet And the faces that we see, the lives that we encounter, we will either pour out the love of Christ, they will see that through us, or we will not. Sheep or goats. Galatians 6.10 says it this, just like this, let's listen to this. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are the household of faith. Pray with me, will you? God, you are so good. You are so gracious and merciful. You are the definition of love. God, and you've sent us out. You have called us to go and make disciples. You have called us to meet with the beggar on the street and bring them bread. Lord, you've called us to to sit with those who are thirsty not only for water but are are craving something more in their life. They know they're missing you. Lord, we know that you've you've implored us to be a welcoming presence to open up not only our homes but this home to those who are in need of knowing and feeling and experiencing your love. God, even in the midst of it, this pandemic, we look back on it and we just wonder, what what did you really mean to sit with those who are sick? To be with those who are in prison. Lord, we thank you. Uh, We thank you that you don't just look at our works and judge us on that, but that you look at the cross of Christ and that Jesus and his death and resurrection was enough but Lord, we, we want by that faith to be spurred on by you. Lord, make us a people who are known by our love and good needs. But Lord, more importantly, Lord, make us a people who make you known, who make your name famous. God, we pray for every person today as we go out as a church and we love on this valley, whether it's someone who's we're moving their homes or, uh, Lord, just washing windows whether it's others that we're inviting to join in care of a collection of goods and, and canned goods and items, Lord, are chopping wood for those we won't even meet. God, we just pray that they would be blessed, that they would come to know your name. And Lord, all these temporary things that we do, that, that they would all point to an eternity with you. Lord, we thank you for the gift that it is to serve. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.